into the area. Janček, stamp through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Phil Turnbull. Sorry, I mean, I am Laurie Dunsire, joined (laughs) by Mark Donaldson. Well, that makes absolutely no sense to anybody who didn't watch the game at the weekend on Hearts TV. Thankfully, we did, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. Didn't we, Ryan McGowan? Yep, this first game I watched, unmuted. I must say, it was very enjoyable. <laughs> Arseholes. Yes, for those who probably, it was probably the majority of you who were at the game, um, have no idea what I'm talking about. But yes, I was at a wedding, so Phil Turnbull was filling in on commentary on Hearts TV. Much more I thought outstanding. I thought it was absolutely excellent. It was refreshing. really was. It was <laughs> so, many, so many good points throughout the game. It was Unbelievable. Good. He brought Jimmy, honestly, he elevated Jimmy to a level I've never heard Jimmy as good as that. I mean, I, I thought Jimmy Sanderson was magnificent alongside him. Well, I, I got a, we got a tweet from Jambo Hendo says, Hi guys, I have something to discuss. Given that Hart's best performance of the season was played in the absence of Laurie Dunsire and Robert Borthwick, should they be banned from the commentary box for the foreseeable future? Not Robert. Robert's excellent. I think he brings a... <laughs> I think I think he elevates the professionalism of of, uh, of the broadcast. Uh, so I wouldn't be banning Robert. Um, I just thought Phil and Jimmy were excellent together, and I think I think the players. Uh, obviously, Robbie spoke about that in his pre-match team talk. <laughs> how it was going to be Phil and, and Jimmy, and uh, I think the players responded with our best display of the season. Okay, whatever. I'm I'm, I'm coming back if, if they let me. That is, of course. Yeah, well. Uh, is that, is that your decision, though? Because we've had a lot of <laughs> tweets saying, you know what, I would keep the same lineup for the next <laughs> game. And I wasn't sure if they were talking about on the pitch, Ryan, Liam Boyce, or in the commentary Michael booth Smith, as well. Laurie Dunsire, yeah. can I get back in? <laughs> well, surely, I mean, is it, it, you've got to incentivize in, in this industry, Ryan, have you not? Yeah, I, I was surprised you, you rocked up tonight because, you know, it's part-time, dude. Yeah. Miss one game, come for the next. Miss one podcast, come for the next one. It's a good, mm. good for you to show up this week. It's Thanks, Laurie. Appreciate it. I'm just going to edit all this out. Just like, <laughs> no, you're not. Just oh, like speak. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> speak, speaking of editing, you knew I was going to do this. You were a dick. <laughs> that is a disgrace what you did last week. When I, you, you kept a bit me complaining about the fact that you were going to edit it out. <laughs> and you edited that bit out that you edited out. And it made me sound even dafter than normal. Dick. Well, that's the privileges I get. I have to listen back to all your nonsense every week and edit. So the benefit of that is that I can, I can tinker. And but you um, did say what I said. You said, even although when everybody <laughs> listened to it, if you listen to it closely, you'll f- clearly there's an edit point in there. That was unacceptable. You're just because you you pick and choose which games you do now. The manager. There's going to come a time where the manager, i.e., the joint managers of this podcast now, McGowan and me. Decide, yeah. you know what? Hey, we need a little bit more professionalism from you. You can't just choose, pick and choose when you want to come on, when you want to go to weddings, when you want to do a commentary. Honestly, I'd have Liam Boyce and Michael Smith doing commentary with Jimmy this week. And I think you'd have me, to wait. Me playing up front? No, on the outside looking in. All right, okay. Well, let's just get on with it. Enough of that. Well, we don't have a game this week, so that kind of helps you. So that'll be two weekends in a row, yeah. You can't be bothered. Heart of Midlothian played Dundee United. We will talk about that because <laughs> Mark and Ryan watched the game at the time and I have since watched it back with the excellent commentary from Phil Turnbull and Jimmy Sanderson. Um, we will have another quiz, hopefully maybe not as quite as um, quite as aggressive as last time, but we'll have a Oh, we'll whose fault was that? Uh, mainly yours. Um okay. Do you like the song at the end? Uh, I don't know what I had for breakfast this morning. What did you play yeah. last week at the end? 
That doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, we will also look ahead to Motherwell, uh, which is Hearts' next game. Not this weekend, of course, as Mark says. It's International Weekend, so it's a week Saturday at Fir Park. Uh, we'll look ahead to this week because next week we will have a guest on the show, and we're happy to we're happy to confirm this one, aren't we? <laughs> I hope so. Um, he's promised me that Andrew Driver from Houston will be coming on the show next week to chat with myself and Ryan and you. So looking forward to that. Um, I got one or two stories firsthand from him um, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sure without alcohol next week, he'll be able to uh, to maybe tell them again. That'll be interesting. I'm sure Ryan will have a few stories as well. Yeah, it'd be good to speak to him. Not speaking to him for a little while, but he'll have some very good stories because he was right in the mix of it when it was all uh, kicking off. Mm-hmm. He was breaking through. And see if we can... but, so, so we have. What do we have next week? We have we have a decent chunk over a, a over or just under a fifth of the Hearts starting lineup will be on the show next week in the 2012 Cup final. <laughs> Jeez, it's true, it's true. Look, you get Jamie McDonald back on as well. Make it almost a third. No, so it's, it's drivers. It's drivers show next week. Looking yeah. forward to chat. Yes. Them. Okay. Anyway, let's get on with it. Okay, first up this week, Heart and Midlothian against Dundee United. Hearts and United level on 21 points ahead of this game and a chance for either of these sides to potentially leapfrog Celtic into second place, at least until Sunday. Hearts on a run of four without a win off the back of their first league defeat of the season away to Aberdeen. Uh, United had lost their previous game home to St Johnston, but were unbeaten in six away matches in all competitions, and that included a draw at Celtic Park and a 3-0 win at Easter Road as well. Um, Michael Smith, uh, Gary McKay-Steven, Armong Nongdwie out of the starting 11. Andy Halliday was suspended. So Hart started with that 3-4-3 formation. Suter Halkett Kingsley in front of Craig Gordon, but with Taylor Moore on the right-hand side, Alex Cochran returning uh, on the left, uh, Devlin and Beningame in the centre, and Mackay, Gino, Ginelli in the centre, and Ben Woodburn in attack. So interesting starting 11, Marcus was the two most interesting positions was Taylor Moore starting on the right in the wing-back row, and really just the front three uh, not having an out-and-out striker. Yeah, this isn't something that was just decided the day before or the day of. Josh Janelli came out and confirmed that pretty much all week he'd been working on um, watching videos of, of Liam Boyce playing the role, um, the, the the striking position, how to play it, knowing that like, he might not play there uh, because Boyce may be fit, but if Boyce wasn't fit, then he would be getting that role. So I think that's that's pretty smart. Um, you, you have to have a plan B, and at times we've been critical, does Hearts or do Hearts have, have a plan B? Um, and at times it's looked like they, they haven't. The plan B this time was, if Liam Boyce isn't fit, we're going to play Josh Ginelli through the middle, but we're going to let him know nice and early, several days before the game, and we're going to help him as much as he can. And you know what? It worked. Yeah, and one thing that was very evident from the start of this game, lots of, lots of interplay, lots of movement, lots of positional swapping, not just from the, the front three, but also with uh, Benny um, and Cami Devlin moving forward at times, and then like Barry Mackay dropping behind them. Sometimes Taylor Moore and Alex Cochran were moving forward. From a defensive point of view, Ryan, as a, a centre-back or sometimes as a right-back, obviously, in your time, is that sometimes more difficult to deal with when you don't have a fixed striker or two strikers that you pick up, that there's a bunch of just attacking players moving, changing places, no yeah. out-and-out number nine? Yeah, it just constantly makes you looking to see who's marking who. You know, If you're just up against someone, you and your other centre-back can just make sure that you've got him. So say it's Boyce, for example. You just know that one of his have to be marking Boyce. Whereas if all of a sudden they're swapping and you're saying to your right-back, hey, he's coming here and He's making runs in behind you. And I, th- I definitely think it caught Dundee United off guard the first 20, 25 minutes because they would have been thinking, am I following him out here into the wide areas? And then as soon as they followed him, someone was coming in through the middle and it's, it just worked perfectly. And um, I was really impressed with what um, Gino, is that what we're calling him now? What Gino said in terms of, you know, him 
off his own back, doing a little bit of research and and knowing that there's a, a possibility that he might be playing up front by himself. And, and what's the best way for him to prepare for that is to watch videos of boys and boys helping him out. And, you know, I thought from looking in from the outside, that was, you know, really good to to read that that's what he was doing throughout the week, which, you know, definitely showed because I thought he was outstanding at the weekend. Definitely. I think there was so many positives. I mean, we'll go through some of the, the, the kind of the moments. I mean, the opening goal, I thought was it was good to see Barry Mackay getting heavily involved and he picks up a bit deeper. Cammy Devlin then moves ahead of him. He assists Ben Woodburn. It's a fluff really by the goalkeeper. It should be routine and, and Segrist is a, a very reliable goalkeeper normally. But it's good for Ben Woodburn, Mark, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. yeah. he's... He started looking quite impressive when he first joined Hearts, but he seems to have got a bit frustrated, I would say, in, in maybe recent games, trying a bit too hard almost, trying to shoot from angles where maybe it wasn't on. Um, but I think he needed that and he had a really good performance. Yeah, Ryan will know better than, than either of us. If you can get an early goal in your career, you get off to a flyer, whether it's De Vries all those years ago or even anybody who's, who's been at the club um, since then and has got off to a flyer. And Woodburn's played well um, without scoring. And when that doesn't come, your head can go down. He had a couple of games on the bench. So I was delighted for him. And you, you see the end of, of our episodes um, in, in recent weeks when we've done predictions. It's usually one of the three of us tips Ben Woodburn to score the first goal because we always thought it was a matter of when and not if. And now I'm really looking forward to, to what he does um, now that he can kick on. It's amazing how many times they score and they score straight away again. You know, it took him so many yeah. games to score and he yeah. scored two in a mm-hmm. game and wouldn't be surprised if he kicks on and, and reaches double figures by the end of the season, which would be good. Certainly would. It was a second goal for Hearts before Ben Woodburn got um, his second goal. It was a lovely set up play by Janelli and a nice finish by Cochrane. And it was I mentioned it I mentioned it just a moment ago about Taylor Moore as well. Really good when you see those players get forward. You know, Michael Smith will do it. Um, as well when he's in, but it makes such a difference because suddenly those players become wingers and if you've got three yeah. players in the centre, you've got those two, it just becomes an overload. And so United, I think, struggled to maybe pick up pick up the likes of, of Taylor Moore and Cochrane, which is sometimes why that 3-4-3 three, three works very well. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been like a broken record in the last three years, simply because I've commentated on, on Atalanta so often and I've always kind of said the way they do it is is the way it should be done, where so many times, forget the guys in the middle of the park, it's full-back to full-back, wing-back to wing-back, setting up, assisting, and the other one scoring. And we, we saw that again in the second half. So I, I love the fact that, that they're getting forward. But a bit of tactical talk um, for this one. I think the, the coaching staff of Hearts deserve a lot of praise for this because um, at times we've spoken about do they overanalyze the opposition, but... I think they got the analysis of the opposition spot on here because they knew they were going to play a 3-4-3. So it appeared that their their plan was to kind of draw the press out, flip it from centre-back to wing-back, then get in behind their full-back to get the centre-back one-on-one in the channel. And we had had movement in the centre-halves because Robbie was talking about that. He goes, Edwards and Mulgrew knew that they would probably cope with Nondui, a big physical striker, but he wasn't sure how they could cope if they were isolated against... The pace. And the other thing is as well, watching it back, and I kind of noticed it at the time, um, but the wonderful Phil Turnbull mentioned it in commentary, <laughs> that the front three switched quite a bit in the opening 20 minutes as well. So it wasn't a kind of static Josh Ginelli or a Ben Woodburn or a Barry Mackay. There was times when Barry found themselves through the middle, when Ben found himself through the middle and Josh would, would go to where the other one wasn't. So I think tactically, Robbie got this one spot on. And one of the other interesting things from his comments afterwards, he was talking about he knows we're probably going to concede goals with the system we play, but he's confident with the guys that we have and the system that we have that we're going to score more often than the opposition and in games like this, a fair bit more often than the opposition just with the way that they're playing. So kudos to the coaching staff at Hearts for identifying um, what their weaknesses were, but also taking advantage of that. Yeah, it's funny looking at the the two recent games against the Dundee sites, you know, when Dundee came 30-odd percent possession, um, frustrated Hearts was maybe a bit of a an ugly game to watch at times and Hearts just struggled to make their kind of territory count. Uh, whereas 
Dundee United came and um, although they started, I thought, a, a bit poorly, they, they did come into the game and it was their, I guess, desire to to press hearts, um, to try and attack hearts when they could that made it such an open game and, and in many ways made it a game that hearts ended up winning by three clear goals. But what I did like was the tempo in the game. We kept up the pressure. So when things opened up and maybe hearts had a chance, it was a block or Dundee United half cleared it. It wasn't like everyone got back into position. Hearts kept going, uh, kept an intensity up, which I thought made it a really watchable game. And then to be fair to Dundee United, when they got back into it 2-1, they started making it a game and the same at 3-2. But the goal that put Hearts 3-1 up, obviously Dundee United got back into a bit of a, a bit of a fluke really with a long range shot and the deflection. But the goal that got Hearts ahead 3-1, um, Woodburn's second goal. Now, obviously, the first goal is a goalkeeping error, but the second goal, although you can't see it first, I think Phil called it a prod, and then um, Mr. Sanderson had a right go at him for calling it a prod, because you watch that goal back, and to be fair, you do have to watch the replay back. It's actually unbelievably good technique mm-hmm. from Ben Woodburn. He he does measure it in to the into the top corner of the net. It's a really difficult thing to do. He made it look a lot easier, Ryan, didn't he, than that actually was. Yeah. Because when you see it at first, you think, what's just happened there? It's not until you watch it back. You, you've got to have a football mind, a really smart football brain to even think about that, don't you? Yeah, it would have been, like I said earlier, if he hadn't scored, you could probably see him snatching at it or you know, just trying to hit it as hard as he can. But he's obviously got that confidence because he's scored and he's just picked it, picked it perfectly. And it's an actually a really, really clever finish the way he's done it there because... I think everyone in the stadium, and again, Phil said it in commentary, you probably want to just put your laces through it and he's just kind of taken everyone by surprise. And and yeah, I was really impressed with that finish. It was, it was outstanding. Indeed, United got back into it again with a, a Nicky Clark header. Uh, but Hearts that, was, that was a good goal, by the way. It was. Um, that they it, was. Scored. It, it might have looked like, well, we were caught um, with, with no one marking Clark, but they'd scored in transition, but they, they did it at pace. That was a really good. There were some really good goals scored in this game. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I liked um, I liked our our trick with a free kick to uh, send our first choice set piece taker into the back post, which meant apparently Dundee United <laughs> had re- had not planned to mark Stephen <laughs> Kingsley, who just basically stood at the back post and then nodded it in. Um, I, I don't know if that was the case because you watch it; it's not like he makes a really late run or anything. He goes to the back post and. No one decides to pick him up. So, um, well, what's the, what's the deal with that, Ryan? I mean, have you mainly played man marking? Have you mainly played zonal? Uh, when it when it comes to picking up someone specific, how how do you kind of how do you do that as a player when you're trying to pick someone up? Just depends. Um, so, a lot of teams you maybe have you know it's sort of two or three zonal for corners, and then the rest are picking up, or you go totally man for man or you go totally zonal there's probably three different options and similar to wide free kicks a lot of teams now sort of do zonal marking where you see them they're probably the width of the goals um and then it's just not to, i think that's what dundee united were doing and they've just left the players right at the back it's obviously backfired terribly for them but yeah you'd see a lot of teams that just kind of um go zonal across the 18 yard box for for wide free kicks and that you know you kind of have your own little zone and you try and be maybe a meter 1.5 meters apart and, and just go attack the ball but it, it does leave you vulnerable if you know they overload it at the back at the back post but also the delivery was great it was yeah. a great ball in um which again sometimes from a defensive point of view it's just so hard to deliver it's so hard to defend if if the delivery is perfect and um yeah i just think that, that no one really kind of picked them up and and they just thought if it goes to the back post, we'll deal with it. But because the ball was so good, it's it's just gone in behind the last last man on the on the zone, and it was a good header. I wonder, Laurie, if this is payback time because we went years being totally shite at set plays. We actually seem to be quite good now. Yeah, I, I think it does help when you've got players who can who can take a decent free kick. Obviously, Kingsley mm-hmm. himself has has proven that, but. You know, I think it was Cochrane who played the ball in, wasn't it? And it was a, a decent ball. I'm still not I'm not a massive fan of the outswinging corners that we keep doing. I do prefer in-swingers, but uh, we've we've yeah. done reasonably well. I mean, Halkett's goal came from from what? Uh, no, sorry, Halkett's wasn't in-swinger. It was a GMS corner. 
So we should do, should do more in swinging corners. I have to say, I hate total zonal marking if it's a corner. I've never understood that as a a preference for teams. I think it just asking for asking for someone, someone to, run to have, a, yeah, yeah. have a run on you, and you've got to you're standing still, and someone's attacking the ball. I just think I can understand maybe from certain free kick angles, but you don't. I don't think you don't see an awful lot of teams doing entirely zonal marking from corners now, though, do you? Because it's just I'm trying to think who who tried. There was a team that done it all the time. And I just never thought it looked very comfortable. Kuwait um, SC? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we do three. We do three zonal. A lot of teams do that. They just sort of do three or two that kind of are on the edge of the box and uh, on the yeah, edge of the six yeah. yard box and they go and win it. But uh, interesting you say in swingers, I prefer attacking out swinging corners. Okay. Because when you think about it, you you then become between the player in the ball because it's coming towards you more than you trying to get in front of the defender easier to generate power is it with it coming at you you're kind of just rather yeah, and, and, yeah and sometimes it. if you and sometimes if you can get your arm out they can never get the ball because it's coming away from them if that makes okay. sense coming yep. towards you and what, but, what do you prefer defending uh short corners <laughs> <laughs> good answer <laughs> Yeah, short corners or when your goalie comes out and catches it, there's honestly no better feeling when you go, oh shit, that's a good ball. That As soon as they kick it and you realise if it's going to be a, a good ball or not, and then you hear the keeper shout and he comes out and plucks it out the sky. It's, it is good, but um, yeah, it's just difficult. It's, it, it also it, it plays in your head. I'm sure the same as the Dundee United plays. When you know, or even Hearts with like Charlie Mulgrew putting a few great balls, when you know that someone's going to put in a really good ball, it just it puts you on edge straight away because you're thinking I'm going to have to actually defend this ball. You know, it's not going to go ten meters over the bar. It's not going to be lofted into the keeper's hands. Everybody knows that this ball is going to be delivered right on the money. And even for an, as an attacker, Danny Grange used to put in great corners and and free kicks. And we used to know that you know nine times out of ten this is going to be a good ball. We can get on the end of it. So it just causes that little bit of chaos. And I think that's what's happened with Hearts. You just know that there's going to be a good delivery and. It, you could even sense it. Again, Phil mentioned it in the commentary that you could just sense whenever Hearts had a free kick in a dangerous position that, you know, we could score here. Whereas, mm-hmm. like you have said it for many years, he's just thinking, oh, well, we just might as well give them the ball back and get ready for the goal kick. By the way, there was a comment made by Sir Alex Ferguson more than 10 years ago saying Charlie Adams' corner kicks are worth £10 million. And, I mean, a bit of hyperbole there, but what he's saying is, if you, as Ryan's saying, if you can get someone that can deliver a good ball in, if you can get seven out of ten, you know are going to be good ones. Then mm. the, the 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 strikers, the forwards, the home team attacking it, or salivating the away team, or the the team that's defending are like, oh shit, this is going to be tough. And I, I think as well, you don't have them all in swinging. You don't have them all out swinging. I hate sure I'm, I'm with Ryan, and, and I know Laurie hates him as well. The short corners. I think you can exploit if they've turned their back, then that should be the only time it's kind of used. But I think with an in-swinger, you're probably at times looking for more of a glance because it's difficult to put more power on it. But with an out-swinger, you've got the pace on the ball that's generating, that's coming towards you and you can you can head it in the back. I look, the bottom line is, it all depends on the quality of the, the set play. Even now, Charlie Adam taking set plays, was it the 6-2 game? Um, the first game between the sides last season in the championship, we conceded a, a free kick near the edge of the box, and you immediately just thought, "Shit," because Charlie Adams, uh, Charlie Adam was over it. And was that the one that was that the one he scored, or did he put a delivery in that, that led to a goal? But they were always he, pretty decent his deliveries. Um, he didn't score. His, his goal was from open play. Um, yeah, I, I can't. Um, he scored from open play in that game, and then. Mullen scored. Can't actually remember the build up to that one, but I know what you, you mean. And it's like, you, yeah, yeah, you didn't want to give you didn't want to give away a set play, and it was the same at Paradise earlier this season when we gave away a free kick um, close to the box at Paradise yeah. against Dundee United. Mulgrew took it. Was that the one that Craig produced a stunning save? Yeah, Mulgrew went yeah. to Craig's yeah, side. Exactly. That was still a very good save. But Mulgrew's got the. I noticed with some of their set pieces, Mulgrew. Mulgrew, because he's such a presence in the box as well, there's that kind of catch-22 of, <laughs> do you do you put him in the area because he's such an aerial threat or do you have him take the free kick because he's got a good delivery? You kind of need him doing both. Um, 
that uh, that put Hearts four two up. Obviously, that goal, and I'm really chuffed when I saw uh, when I got the update about who scored the fifth, and even mm. more chuffed when I saw the the finish because Aaron McInef came on, and I, I don't know if you've read the the stuff from him since. I, I really like his attitude, which is um, doesn't seem like he's a type to throw his toys out the pram or you know start thinking about getting a move or get too down about the fact he's not playing it's you know he needs to prove himself when he gets that opportunity and you know I thought I did really well credit to Gary Mackay Stephen as well for for tracking back and winning the ball but really nice finish one-on-one you know you often favor the attacking player in those but you know Segrist is a big goalkeeper does everything right comes out uh, kind of spreads himself and just a really cute finish and I like the reaction from both him his teammates and the, the crowd as well there was something that I was just as impressed with several days after his goal. So Barry Anderson at the Evening News got a, an exclusive interview with Aaron. And Aaron's comments was completely talking about watching the entirety of the game and learning what Dundee United do well and don't do well. And then towards the end, he noticed, this is when he was warming up. It wasn't just, you see players warm up and, and they're all focused on different things. Uh, it'll be interesting to get Ryan's take on this, uh, given the amount of time he spent as a substitute recently. <laughs> for, sorry, that was that was low. But Aaron was talking about Aaron was talking about keeping tabs on the game, and then as the last twenty minutes or or so, he knew what what they were doing. <coughs> excuse me, and he came on with eight minutes left, and that that was impressive for me. He'd studied what Dundee, how he thinks or thought he could exploit Dundee United by move, making that kind of number tens run in behind mm. that that says a lot about me plus n- never mind the whole every comment that he said to Barry was spot on and exactly what a manager would want to read look I know it's not been great for him um, but he did everything right he, he refused to go in the half he, he wanted to work harder train harder knowing that his time would come I was delighted he got his goal yeah really well taken um uh, there's a lot to you know there's a, there's a lot to think about for Robbie Nielsen after that game I mean Taylor Moore came in and I thought he did really well on the right, um, Ryan. And he's got that, he, he's got the kind of physique of a, of a central defender, but he's got good energy about him as well. Maybe like a, a, a young Ryan McGowan. Yes, yeah. <laughs> young Ryan McGowan marauding down the right. But I thought, again, I just think it's a good squad depth. You know, you've got, this is what Hearts and Robbie has been warning is that, you take a player out and another player gets this opportunity and that they then take that opportunity. And um, I think we'll touch on it later is what do you do next game? You know, we, we had a bad result against Aberdeen, made some changes, then go out and beat Dundee United. Now you've got that hunger of Boyce will be training extra hard this week or probably harder than he has trained because he might be thinking, well, geez, 10 days ago, I was felt like I was the Messiah and everyone needed me. Whereas now it's, football changes so quickly he might be find myself on the bench and get in the last 30 minutes so then he's coming on thinking right I need to score I need to make sure that I'm the main man everyone McInerney's coming off the bench and and doing a little chip in and and scoring goals so now you know that you know you can bring him on the last 20 minutes it's just there's so many options that you that you want and I think it's been said before it's just got a really really good squad at the moment and why would you not why would you not want to be playing or be a part of that squad that's doing so well and and has an opportunity to to go and have a right good season? So it's just a really good thing, vibe about the place. Yeah, without a doubt. The other thing I wanted to mention, I think there's only two of the outfielders that you would say, yeah, that's their position. I think the other eight can play in multiple positions, i.e. two, potentially more. I would say Hulk is a centre-back. I wouldn't play him anywhere else. Beningamy, you could argue maybe... You could push him a little bit further forward, but he's a defensive midfielder. Everybody else in that team, I think, could play at least another position. Suter, I think you could play him. I wouldn't right now, but you could play him as a defensive midfielder because of his, his ball skills um, and his passing got, ability. Yeah, remember he got moved there quite a lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, Taylor yeah. Moore is a centre, but it's funny because I remember um, when Taylor Moore signed and I mentioned to you, um, a friend of mine who works at Talk Sports, he's a commentator for Blackpool. Um, he gave us all the info about Taylor Moore, who'd been there, and Armand Nondier as well. And Blackpool tried him a couple of times as a, a right wing back, um, more out of necessity than anything else. And he was fine. 
Um, but I think he's a bit older now and uh, he could play as a right wing back. We've seen that as a right back, as a centre back. Kingsley can play left back or left centre back. Cochran could play left back, left centre back. We've seen him and now left wing back. Woodburn and Mackay could, could switch and play different positions, the same as Ginelli. And Cammy Devlin, again, probably a defensive midfielder, but you could move him further forward. That says a lot, and that's, that's on the back of what Ryan says about the squad depth that we have right now. And the other thing is, as well, I'm sure we'll discuss um, over the next 20 minutes or so when we look ahead to the Motherwell game, are we keeping the same team or are we bringing back Smith if he's available or are we bringing back Boyce? What we do know now is that we have an alternative to take Boyce off. If Ginelli doesn't start, we can play him through the middle. And you know what? Until I see something from Nondwe, I'd have Ginelli through the middle ahead of Nondwe every day of the week. Yeah, let's uh, move on, but we'll, we'll stick to some bits about the United game looking ahead because we got a few messages on Twitter. I put it out there to maybe get some questions uh, for us in this week's show or anything people wanted to mention. Um, Amoruso Let's It Run said, I'd like to know if the guys would throw Smith and Boyce back in for the Motherwell game. I would also like to know thoughts on switching to 3-5-2 in away games to ensure Benny and Devlin are not outnumbered in midfield. So I'll break that into two then. First off, uh, Ryan, um, would you throw Smith and Boyce back in for the Motherwell game? Um, I wouldn't play Boyce just because I feel like he's now been out for four or five weeks now. So he's probably mm-hmm. at that stage where even if he was fully fit, you, you're probably only going to get maximum 60 minutes out of him sure. and running that risk of of maybe getting an injury, whereas you can sort of filter him in and, and give him the last 30. Um, same front three then? As, as, um, I, would, I would go United? same front three. Yeah, I, I would probably just go same team. You just scored five at home against... Yeah which we've not really touched on. I thought Dundee United were very good uh, in yeah. how they played. They, although they lost, I thought they were they were a good team, a massive improvement from the first time they played. And you can see why they've picked up some of the results that they've got. Um, so, yeah, I'll just keep the same team. Um, Smith, Smith, you could... Uh, Smith possibly just because he's played that position a lot more. Like that is his out-and-out position. Um but then you know it's a difficult. What do you say to um, to Taylor Moore? You know he came in and did everything that you'd ask for him. It's then pretty harsh to be like, thanks for that. But Smith is back in. It's I don't know. That's probably the one that I would be humming and whoring about. Okay. And de- Maybe on Smith, but uh, a definite no for Boyce at this Boyce. at this yeah. stand, as things at stand. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Mark on a. Amadou lets its run comment. Switching to 3-5-2 in away games, I think that's probably maybe a big reference to the Aberdeen game because we definitely got overrun centrally when, when Stephen Glass changed and put Brown into there in the second half. So I guess it's an option, isn't it? I think I don't think we, we nail our colours to, to, to one particular mass right now. I think you're spot on. I think we need to have options. And we decide. I mean, I, I praised the coaching staff earlier for their ability to see what Dundee United's strengths and weaknesses were and and, and they didn't change the formation um, as such, but they, they had a game plan based on that formation. I, I think it's horses for courses. Robbie said that he, he might have one preferred formation, but a lot of the time it depends on on the opposition and, and his preferred formation is the, the three at the back, um, four across the midfield and then the three up top or the two with the one. I watched the Motherwell game on, on Sports Scene and they, they, they've got a back four. Um, yeah, and like a 4 3 3. Or a, yeah, it, it or was like a 4 3 3. Yeah, and a lot of their stuff was kind of was central. I read today that Van Veen might be suspended. He is, yeah. Um, for, he, misses, yeah he misses out six yellows. Yeah, there you go. Good finisher. Um, so, again, that, that might be something different. But I don't want, I mean, look, I, I think a back three against. Um, against a team that goes 4-3-3 is fine um, because you might need someone in the middle of the park. Um, that's that's when you can maybe drop someone back or or push someone forward um, from the back, a bit like how Scott Brown played in the second half um, against Hearts. Um, but, I mean, how Aberdeen didn't take something from that game, I, I don't know. <laughs> Liam, Liam um, Kelly, I think. Well, he was outstanding. One save in particular was phenomenal. And he's a super goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. But... 
they're they're not. I don't think they're as good a side as Dundee United. Um, so, no. and I mean, and we will yeah. we will we'll, we'll kind of get onto that a little bit more. Uh, We've got uh, got two messages I'll read back to back here because they're quite similar. Fletch says, um, much as I appreciate John Suter, I'm coming to the conclusion that we might need to sell him in January. Taylor Moore is ready-made replacement, of course, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> of course, there's no guarantee that Moore will stay on beyond us at the end of the current season. Big decision coming up. Uh, and then Maximus Hound says, number of expiring contracts is slight concern. Smith's clause takes care of itself and I don't see Gordon not signing. Kingsley is a big one to tie down. If offer for Suter in January comes in, do we take it to ensure a sell-on or do we run his contract down? Should he sign on again, given Hart stood by him through his injuries and he's on record saying how grateful he is for how the club treated him? Do we renew Halkett? Any chance of luring Moore and Cochrane back? Interested to know Ryan's thoughts on how a contract situation like Suter's plays out from a player's perspective. Ryan just gets schmoozed by Ali McCoy. That's what happens, isn't it? <laughs> and then tells him to fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I reckon with the Suter situation, the Hearts would have offered him what a contract which they think he's worth. Mm-hmm. And he will have said, um, thanks, but I'm just going to stay as is at the moment and probably wait until January to see what happens in January. He'll be, he'll be scared to sign a contract and then it scares off anyone that's looking at him to last six months. So it, was, it would then be up to Hearts to, do they say that, you know, that deal's on the table, do they give it a deadline or, you know, that's probably where you just need to have more communication between the player, the agent and the though, club. It? Because I know people I think, want... I think there's been enough communication. I, 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 John Suter will not be a Hearts player on the first day of next season. The question now is whether John Suter goes in January and Hearts get him out. The manager does not want John Suter to go in January. Or does he go next summer on a free? Is it not tricky as well, though? Because I know people talk about, you know, standing by players and stuff. But if if you're from their perspective, obviously, you know, if you want a player to re-sign a contract so a club can then sell him, does that then affect what he will get? Because if he's a free transfer, then there's a lot more money for a signing on fee. If I'm looking at it cynically, is that not the case that if a club has to pay X amount of money to then buy a player? Um, so I do get, you know, it would be nice that players, if you know, players stood by clubs or showed loyalty, but if, it's not a game with a lot of loyalty, is it, football, right? No, not at all. You know, for example, who knows if Robbie will still be in a job come February? Mm-hmm. A new guy comes in and says, mm, no, I'm not really, I want to bring in two six foot six monster centre-backs and play back to front. I want to bring Ryan McGowan back. <laughs> you're, you're out, sir. <laughs> um, and do you know what I mean? And Suda signed a contract. It's yeah. tied him down for another three years, knowing that you could have got a lot more money elsewhere. It's it's just a, it's a tricky situation. The only thing I could think about is when you have the sort of buyout clauses um, and then it would be a case of they'll probably want the buyout ju- John would want the buyout clause to be minimal mm. and be on good wages, and then Hearts would be thinking, "Well, what's the point of that? You know, we, yeah. we can just we can continually pay him whatever he's on now until January, and probably get the same amount of money. Or do we run that risk of doubling his wage, and no one comes in in January? And you know, it, it is a it's a tricky it, almost suit as well yeah. because because he was out injured. You know, I know people say Hearts should have made a move before you know ideally you'd want to be in a situation the year before the latest you know before his deal runs out to say right this summer we're either selling you or you're signing a new contract because if Mm. we get to the next transfer window that's when you can start talking to clubs but Suter had only been back since what April so it was what two a month month and a half of playing football um, in the championship so would Hearts have even got much money in the summer it's only like now that he's consistently showing he can do it again at the top flight. And I think we would have felt that he could have done that. But I guess there would have been question marks about how long mm. is he going to stay fit for again. So yeah. it, it is a tricky one. I know a lot of the time you get frustrated when a player gets to this kind of stage of their yeah. contract. But I think there have been mitigating circumstances, which has kind of left both side, both parties in this position where it was almost unavoidable maybe. 
Yeah. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but I bumped into him um, probably over a year now when I was back training with Hearts while I was um, in my off-season to keep fit before the, the Champions League. And so I was with the young boys and yeah. uh, bumped into him. Um, and he'd, not, he'd either just had his operation or not long had his operation. So he was in good spirits when I was speaking to him. And I said, you know, what's, what's your time frame? Like how long are you looking at? And he's like, to be honest with you, my main concern right now is being able to walk freely. Right. Okay. You know, he he had just had a baby, and he's in his mindset wasn't you know I want to get back and playing. He had just kind of, I think it was his second or third Achilles operation. He's had um, a knee injury, and and speaking to Harry, his brother, their sort of biggest concern after that last injury was, you know, let's just make sure that twenty years down the line that I'm not on crutches or in a wheelchair. I can actually. Mm-hmm be able to walk and you know that's probably not something that's come out and I hope he doesn't mind me mind me saying it but you know that's something that's gone on in his head in terms of he's probably not been even been worrying about contracts and get making Scotland squads and, and doing everything that he's done since then but you know back then and, and the hearts probably would have been the same would have been putting not too much pressure on him and just making sure his his welfare is good and um the, the interesting point is he's just made that Scotland squad so you so he knows if he's playing well week in, week out at Hearts, he would be there or thereabouts. And that is a big draw card because you do not know what's going to happen if you move clubs. You move clubs, you play a different system, you play, you're not yeah. guaranteed. He's probably at this point in his career where he's like, I, I know if I'm fit, I'm playing week in, week out at Hearts. So yeah. he's in that moment where does he back himself and think, I signed a new deal. Um, I'm confident enough that someone will buy me um, and then I can move on once someone's bought me, or do you go into that free market in the summer, which is um, which is a tricky one. And, and you said it before about the you know clubs telling you, touching back on my situation with the whole Rangers thing, and, and after I rejected them, I got told by the club I was going in January. You know, so the, the club might have said to him, "You're going in in January, or you're going in the summer." Mm-hmm. You know, you, you sign a new contract but we're still looking to sell you in the summer. Sometimes those things are, are, are kind of told without being released to the press. So yeah, yeah, it, it, it might be interesting to see what was what's going on behind the scenes. But um, It's tricky as well, isn't it? Because a footballer, you've got, uh, you know, and it'll be interesting because we'll speak to Andrew Driver next week and I think he could be have some good, interesting opinions on it. But sometimes, I mean, if you're looking at it, John Suter, you know, his stock will be quite high. Hopefully, still fit in January. Hopefully, still playing well. You know, if, and I'm I'm just throwing ballpark numbers out there. You know, if he's on, if he can get three or four grand a week at Hearts, maybe tops. If his stock's high, and someone in England says, I'll, "We'll treble that. We'll give you a massive signing on fee. You'll be, you'll give you a four year contract." Yeah, it's going to be in your head, isn't it, Ryan? As well, from a a personal point of view, as well. That's that's millions that I can be almost effectively guaranteed over the next few years, regardless of what happens. If I don't mm-hmm. take that, what if I have a massive dip of form? What if, God forbid, I have another bad injury and by next summer when my deal comes up, even hearts don't want me and I'm effectively... Yeah. I, I, you know, I think sometimes people forget about that, that although footballers do earn good salaries, obviously, very good salaries in the grand scheme of things, it can be a very short window to earn that money. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's a tricky one, and I'm sure he's he's properly thinking about all these other options, and and even the other thing, you know, so many clubs go, oh, I'll come and get you in January, and then they've sacked their manager, and the manager wants someone else. It, it is a very volatile sport in terms of, you know, if someone said they're going to sign me next week until I actually sign that paper, I'm not believing a word that they say. So, it, it, I think if I was advising him, I would sign a contract at hearts but have a low release course mm. you know maybe 500 or 750 something that i hate those football you know, manager i always think it's gonna out. scare him <laughs> but yeah but but then you, you 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 have a player that knows or you have an agent that can go to clubs and say this is what you have to pay to get them yeah and then you've got a player that's on he'll have an improved contract and he knows he's going to be playing every week and he's got that carrot dangling above him knowing that if he plays well someone's going to come and buy him which here's one that i don't know about and you might be able to say uh, obviously i know you get minimum fee release clauses you know 500 grand or whatever and that someone comes in you have to sell them for that can do they ever tie in 
sell-on clauses as well. So would there be room for, for instance, if Hearts went, okay, well, we will, we want you to sign, we will give you a 500 grand release clause. But as part of that, we would also want a 20% sell-on tied to that, or are they always kind of separate? That's kind of separate because that would be, that's up to the other club. Yeah. So you couldn't, if you had a release clause of 500 grand, you couldn't, Hearts couldn't guarantee a percentage sell-on clause later. That would have to be negotiated separately. That would have to be negotiated. I thought so. Ryan, I I just wonder if if something that happened earlier today, we're we're chatting just now on Thursday, um, Australia um, lost Harry Souter to a serious injury. Now, there has been an interest from Stoke City and Harry's brother, John. And part of that interest is because they think Harry might be on his way and they have been in touch with John's representatives, I'm led to believe, um, with a potential um, move to Stoke, which hasn't happened yet, but could happen. If that injury to Harry Souter, which looks like it's pretty serious, um, rules him out for a while... Could that change the interest that Stoke may have in in John, i.e. they might want him earlier, even though Hearts don't want to lose him in January? And also, it means for you, you might be able to add to your caps, doesn't it? Because <laughs> you can you can reveal that tomorrow you're on the move. Where are you headed and why? Possibly. Possibly uh, getting the light call up. Um, yeah, like you said, unfortunately, Harry's had a, what looks to be a bad injury. I think he's getting a scan um, in a couple of hours to to work out what that is. But like I touched on earlier, it's su- such a volatile environment. You know, it, if we're, we're making assumptions here, but the view was that Harry possibly moving in January to a Premier League team, so to get good money for that. And then I think on that list to use that money would be John. So if Harry's maybe not moving in January because he's injured, that might knock on the effect that, one, they maybe want John earlier, or two, they might think, well, do you know what? We're not going to have both of them because he might be back fit. And, and that's what I was saying to you before. A club can say to you, we're, we're going to come in and get you in January, but then they have change of coach, two injuries, and a young player comes through the ranks and bursts onto the scene and January 1st comes and they go, oh, yeah, actually, um, don't worry about it. We're, we're actually okay at the moment. So football can change um, very, very quickly. So it it will be very interesting to see what happens with John come January because uh, from a heart's point of view, would you rather get 500 grand or a million for him in January and let him go? Or would you rather him stay towards the end of the season and, you know, maybe sneak second? That's the interesting thing because this is where I think Taylor Moore comes in here. Because right now where we're discussing, do we keep him in? Does Michael Smith come back? If Smith comes back, Taylor Moore's back on the bench. I think Taylor Moore's an excellent player, and I think it's a great bit of scouting to to get him here. Um, So you would have an obvious replacement, but Hearts have to decide if they let John Suter go in January and then can perhaps negotiate um, a sell-on clause as part of of that deal, and Taylor Moore fits in there, um, is that the best way to go? Or is it detrimental in getting rid of, I say getting rid of, of, of selling John Souter in January to the potential income that might be as a result of, of European qualification? So there's a lot. This is why the guys and the girls um, in football clubs get paid what they do. Because you've already said if you're advising John, you'd say sign a new deal. I, I don't think... This is where I, I kind of want to. I want to put this out as well. I don't think Hearts should be getting criticism um, for the fact that people will see. Oh, he's, they've not offered him a new deal. Whatever. Hearts will have been at John Souter for a while, and I think it'll have been made clear to them that the player sees his future away from the football club. So I think it's unfair if someone comes out. Yeah, Hearts didn't even offer him anything. We have got to be careful what we bow out. As far as what we actually know, I think it's pretty clear that a decision's been made one way or another about John Souter's future. I don't think it's at Tynecastle, but I want Hearts to get the the best that they can from him if he is to leave either in January or in the summer. 
And I think if we didn't have Taylor Moore, I think it would be a harder decision to make. But I think we, we will get what we think he is worth in January. And I don't think Robbie will sanction it if they don't. I guess the only thing as well is, although Taylor Moore does appear to be an able replacement, if we're, if we're playing three centre-backs, we're probably going to need to bring two in. Correct. Because... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just... Oh, I got something in my throat. <laughs> yeah, Peter Haring's one. <laughs> I, I suppose you got Peter Haring, but I mean, you've got three positions there with what? what you would be down to Haring as potential backup, Smith to cover, but then you can need Smith on the right. So I would, I wouldn't be surprised if Suter went. I wouldn't be surprised if there was two more players who can play that position brought in. Because Ryan, you... what's um what what's Dylan's contract situation at Kelly like? <laughs> He's got a two year deal. Has he got a break clause if, if some bastards were to come in? <laughs> I can't believe that still fucking text me today reminding me of it as well. Be <laughs> <laughs> done, sir. Uh, I'm glad that one stuck. Right, let's see. Uh, I'm not going to go through much more, but like with three questions here, which are all similar as well. So Tron said, will Hearts be able to take advantage of a temporarily weakened Rangers without playing them anytime soon? Uh, Kenny Black says, after Cami Devlin's why not to being champions, then our two draws and eventual defeat to Aberdeen, what are our realistic object- objectives for this season. Um, I know we ask um, Laurie Dunsar from Sky Sports, the, the, the reporter. Um, <laughs> what, what, what did Laurie have to say to Sky Sports? <laughs> um, I said that Hearts should be looking to finish third. Um, but Pete Barber says you should talk about the impact <laughs> that Gerard leaving could have on our title hopes, at least our odds of splitting the old firm. I mean, I don't think anything really changes too much. I think Hearts just keep doing what they're doing, don't they? Um, I mean, I, I always think with these things, you know, we've, we've talked about, yeah, why not? Let's have a go. And I think we've still got to have that attitude. But I don't think it's until after the January transfer window that you could really say, right, are we in Are we in with a good shout here? Come on, let, let's, let's, let's calm this down. Let's calm this down. It's title talk nonsense. It's fun when it happens and when we're up there challenging. But we've shown, I mean... It's either Pelly or Smelly with heart. We've, wa- we've waxed lyrical after a Dundee United game, and we want everyone fired out the cannon at Edinburgh Castle after the Aberdeen game. So I know, I know, I know. Well, let's just let's just calm down here a little. Yeah, bit. well, that's what I'm saying. Let's, that's what I'm saying. Focus until, on, let's focus on third. Can... Yeah, well, that's fine. The best team in the league at their best form is Celtic, mm, but Celtic yeah. can also chuck away some stupid. Stupid points, as we've seen this season. They've they've dropped five out of six points against Livingston. I think they've only taken one point from Livingston in, in the two games. So if we finish third, right, given everything we said at the start of the season, I think third is a really good achievement. And you know what? If we can have a go, and I think we had a go against Dundee United, and I think it will be fun to watch. But let's just calm this, this talk about title because with that t- type of talk it wasn't my talk it was their talk I'm just saying no, no, Kenny and Pete. No, it's not Every, <laughs> we've all been thinking blind. it we've all been thinking it oh there's a guaranteed entry into the group stage of the Champions League now, that's what football fans is all being, is, being a football fan is all about being able to dream right that's that's dreaming and and I, I would never say don't dream about what your club could, could achieve because that's what being a football fan's about. You're trying to achieve the unattainable and never doing it but having fun along the way. If Hearts dream, can finish third... The impossible yeah, dream. It's true. If Hearts can finish mm-hmm. in Europe, right? Third or fourth. Mm-hmm. I think it's been a really good season. Yes. I agree. Third. Third, oh, third, third. yeah. Yeah. Third. third That's what Laurie Dunsell Sports said. Third. With, yeah. <laughs> third with hopefully closer to second than fourth are closer to us. That would be a really good season, I think. That yeah, would. Let's, let's, let's see where we go. Oh, we are. We're a defeated Motherwell away from being fired <laughs> out that bloody cannon again. So we on, are. Calm down. Right, talk of being shot out of a cannon after Motherwell. We better look ahead to the 
Motherwell game. We were going to do a quiz, but um, I'm looking at the time and we're, we're kind of pushing the 90 minute mark. So um, we will hold off on the quiz. I think we'll release that um, maybe in a few days time. So we'll Ooh. do that as a little extra. Oh, so the quiz will be extra time, will it? Ooh, yes, nice. exactly. Scarves in for an extra time quiz. But um, before that, so keep an eye on, obviously, the Twitter account, and uh, we will update when that is out, and obviously all your usual podcast apps. But for now, let's have a quick look at Motherwell. I know we've spoken about it briefly. This is a week Saturday, so it'll be Saturday the 20th of November at Well Park. At well Park? Jesus, Fair what? Park. <laughs> they never called it Well Park. <laughs> what? That's the Hearts that's, Park. If it was in the, in Gorgie, we played uh, Hearts Park, but because of Evolution the Soccer version, um, is, it, is that what it's called? Because they don't have the rights. I don't. Probably, I'm making up. Um, still, just six points between the sides. <laughs> Motherwell in fifth, and off the back of a good win at Petardry, um, albeit a bit of a smash and grab, and reliant on Liam Kelly's heroics. Prior to that game, they'd been on a run of four defeats and one draw out of five, and they lost 6-1 to Rangers in their last home match. Um, but quite a physical side. Uh, they came to Tynecastle and gave Hearts uh, quite a tough match. They like to get in your face, um, play with a good intensity, and it is probably a relief that Van Veen is out after he accumulated six yellow cards. Hearts will go into this without a win in four away matches, and they were pretty dismal at Pataudry last time out. So, same team for you, Mark, and, and how are you expecting this one to go? I'm just looking at Naismith was the last player to score the winning goal for mm-hmm. Hearts in the oh, league no, game yeah. at, um, at, at, at Well Park, well Park. <laughs> September, September 2018. <laughs> um, so I, I think I agree with Ryan in that if, if Liam Boyce had missed one game and they brought Janelli in and he'd done what he'd done, against Dundee United, but Boyce was just out for one game. I'd bring Boyce back, but uh, as lo- and Ryan can help us out here. As long as it's not an injury whereby you're probably better to start someone after the injury that he's had. It's a calf problem, I think, I read somewhere that, that Liam Boyce has had. Um, as long as he's okay to come off the bench and maybe play half an hour at the end, as opposed to like, you're probably best to start him after an injury like that and, and it's, rather than warm him up and then bring him on. I would go... I'd go to... I'm the same. It's the dilemma's the right wing back. And if we... If we press forward on them, let's have a look at their... Who would be their left back? Is it McGinley? Nathan McGinley that's, that's playing there? I believe um, he played against us... In the last game, he, I'd have to yeah, check if he's been... He played against St Mirren um, recently. Um, but again, what, what? how tall is, is their left-back? Do we have a... Yeah, I mean, it's McGinley's been playing there um, more often than not. So do we have that advantage um, of, of going having Taylor Moore up against them? I wouldn't, I wouldn't grumble either way. I can't come out and say if Liam Boyce has only missed one game, I'd put him straight back in because Michael Smith has only missed one game. So I don't have a problem if Michael Smith comes back in and I don't have a problem with Taylor Moore starting. But I Nathan agree with McGinley Ryan. is quite tall, if that helps. I think he's 6'3", <laughs> apparently. 6'3", for a left back? So he, he's, he well, can also play centre-back, apparently. Yeah, well, he's, he played left-back in the, the win at Petaudry. He played left-back against St Mirren. So again, if you want to match up, because it's we'll a be nice problem to have, isn't it? I think, I think, I think it's. Decent. I don't mind. I don't mind whatever way he goes. I'll, I'll not be one of those. And by the way, um, Twitter after a team announcement is just something different. It is <laughs> full of rascals. What do you reckon, Ryan? You are you confident Hearts will kick on and and. Uh... Carry on the form they showed in the United game and, and end what's been a little bit of a, not, not necessarily a poor run of performances, but four games without a win away from home, um, given the start they made. They'll want to get another one on the board, especially after how the game at Pataudry went. Yeah, I think so. Um, they definitely should be full of confidence. You, That performance at the weekend didn't look like a team that hadn't won in four games. Um, and just something I also want to touch on, I think that was the highest Hearts crowd outside of the... Category A game, is that right? Yeah, since the, a, 
it was since the nineties, wasn't it? Uh, I remember I saw that it was Heart Stats posted that. I yeah, think. I seen that. Mm-hmm. I seen that. Someone sent it to my group chat, and just so when you think about it from that, from a club's point of view, every single person that was at that game will want to go back to the next home game, or want to go to Motherwell, mm-hmm. or want to go to another game. Anyone that missed that game will now want to go. So they need to really cling on to this sort of wave of good feeling about that. And I, I could see two, three thousand Hearts fans going through to. To Motherwell, yeah, they've sold out the. I think they've sold out the bottom tier quite quickly. I think the Motherwell release it, so they release the bottom tier, and then if that gets sold, they've released the top. So it's yeah. gradually, but it's already sold the bottom. I know it was a good, it was a good one to mention there because Hearts stats on Twitter shared after the United game, um, eighteen thousand one hundred twenty-nine. Uh, the crowd was the biggest at Tynecastle for a non-category A game. That's Hibs, Celtic, and Rangers. Uh, in over 30 years, the last one bigger was the Dnipro UEFA Cup game in 1990. Wow. So, so that just shows you that, trivia. you know, there will be a good, uh, hopefully that's not in the quiz, is it? <laughs> well, if it was, it's not now. <laughs> oh, you'll get uh, that point because you're two seconds ahead, aren't you? Do you know what else I noticed um, last week listening to the show back was that when we started talking about um, Johnson before... You were like, right, right, we'll go to the next question because you knew that question was coming up, didn't you? You remember? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think so. And listening back, yeah. I, I clicked on to that, that you uh, hurried us on so we didn't talk about it too much because it would have ruined your questions, which I should have won that quiz, by the way. But no, you should. When matter. someone asks for all three and you come up with two, you can't expect right. a point. Let's not, let's not. We're, we're, we've, we've not even done the quiz on, on this podcast. So let's just wrap it up. We want to do... I'm, I'll fire my prediction out already because I'm gonna. I've decided I'm just gonna keep going with Barry McKay now to score as my player to score. It's <laughs> gonna happen. It's like when I kept putting Julian Brelier to score at the bookies just because I liked him and he never got one bloody goal for Hearts. Uh, but Barry McKay is gonna score and Hearts are going to win three one at Well Park. <laughs> well Park. I've got a funny story. Just when you said that. Before the derby, when I scored uh, against Hibs New Year's Day, oh, my yeah. mate always used throw to put money. There. Yeah, it's just to throw that one in there. I don't know if you remember that one, but yeah, um, <laughs> my mate always used to. Anytime I started, would put ten pounds on me to score first, um, and so I found out. I was on the bus on the way through, and I says, "Oh, I'm starting." Um, I was like, I-, "I have a good feeling about today because we'd worked on that corner, and sometimes uh, under." Paolo, I used to get kept back up the pitch, but this time I was obviously up front, so uh, attacking the corner. So I said to him, "Listen, mate, I've, I've attacking corners up. Of all the money you've lost, let's get it on today." So after the game, obviously fucking buzzing, message my ma- oh, <laughs> message my mate straight away, and he's like, "Mate, you're gonna kill me, but I had Webster first goal." <laughs> <laughs> so he was raging at me because he thought. He still wasn't sure if it was going to count for the headers. It and then he's like, "Mate, when us when you scored, I was obviously celebrating." And then the realization kicked in that I think I was like fifty <laughs> to one, something stupid like that. <laughs> and he'd uh, he bloody hadn't put it on. But uh, I'll jump in before Mark before he steals my prediction. I'm going to go for a comfortable two 0 win with Ginelli scoring. Cool. Both. Take that, yeah. Mark? 1-1. One, one. Oh, uh, killjoy. Oh, come on. There's a bandwagon, there's a cheerleader, and there's a realistic pessimist who's been here before. <laughs> Which one am I? Um, well, I'll be the realistic pessimist who's been here before in the killjoy. You can be the happy clapper. Cheerleader. All right, who's going to score in this shitty 1-1 draw? (laughs) To you. At Well Park. At Well Park. Booze ring out around Well Park. Do you have a wedding this week or are you going to make it? Are you going to be on the drums this week? He's got a wedding next week. I've got a wedding, but it's on the Wednesday, thankfully. Um, John Suter will score for the final time before he moves south. Okay. Oh. Okay. I didn't say he's moving south in January. No, I don't I mean, what? I want us to win. But <laughs> we've, we've, we've drawn a lot of the games 1-1 of late, so... Okay. 
Why not? 1-1. One, one. Well, let's hope it's not that. Let's hope yeah. Mark's wrong. We'll, we will be back uh, before the Motherwell game. We'll have a wee uh, bonus episode with a little quiz before the international break is over. And we will have our guest next week, who will hopefully turn up, Andrew, Dri- Andrew Driver, um, to chat all things hearts and maybe dish some dirt on Brian McGowan. Until uh, then, thanks for tuning in. This is my quest to follow that star. Without question or pause To be willing to march into hell For a heavenly cause And I know If I'll only be true To this glorious quest That my heart